0: They walked in this room right now and said, hey, let's go to Southeast and make a dope arrest, I would get up and go. <laughs> That's how much I loved it. So I will say that it prepared me for SWAT. That is a lot of decision-making on the fly, a lot of fast-moving parts, and those things came into play when I went to SWAT. I was able to react under pressure and, and make decisions that were very fast, and I, I, I really do think it had a lot to do with how much work we did in the Southeast. And then at one point he stopped and um, the fight was on. And he got my my gun out of the holster, I didn't know it. And he kept reaching for my holster and I realized my holster was empty. I had to pretty much save my life with my metal flashlight. And so when that explosive went off and the team was delayed maybe two seconds, that gave that suspect time to go in and kill that infant child and so I consider that a failure because we had that infant child in our hands, Mm -hmm. and it's our job for the hostage rescue. And so that will always resonate as something that should drive you. You'll never achieve perfection, but you better drive for it.
1: listening to the ATO Bridging the Divide podcast brought to you by the Assisting Officer Foundation. Since 1999 the ATO has given assistance to the first responder community and now we want to give a platform to hear their incredible stories. We also want to hear the stories of the many people that support us. Our community is small but it's strong. We have differences. We don't always agree. And we all make mistakes. But together we can grow, we can heal, and we can learn from those mistakes. And together we can bridge the divide. This is the ATO Bridging the Divide podcast. I'm Joe King. I'm with my partner, Sergeant Josh Hurtell. And I want to welcome on today's guest. She's had had an incredible career. She's an incredible person, incredible friend. Uh, She spent 10 years in Dallas SWAT. She worked Southeast Patrol. She's worked the mayor's detail. She is currently on criminal intelligence FBI unit. I want to welcome on Senior Corporal Misty Van Kuren.
0: Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Misty.
1: Misty, you're really a really hard person to get to talk about yourself, and uh, you doing me and Josh a really big favor for coming on because I know how humble you are. You don't like talking about yourself. You look at your accomplishments as just you doing your job, but you are as accomplished uh, professionally as well as personally, and we're going to get into that. But first, I want I want to ask you, why did you pick law enforcement as a profession, coming from Oklahoma, and why did you pick DPD?
0: I went to school to be an English teacher, and um, I spent a semester teaching seniors, <laughs> and they, I was not ready to be up in front of seniors and teach English. I just It wasn't for me.
1: You probably weren't much older than them.
0: No, okay. all of the football guys grabbed my little Honda and moved it across the parking lot, just picked it up. and
1: <laughs> That's bonding. So, yes,
0: it, it, it was fun, but I realized some of these kids are smarter than I am, and I didn't have enough life experience really to, to offer as an English teacher, and my skill set is more literature and not grammar. And so I applied with Oklahoma City PD and Dallas PD, and they hired me first. <laughs> Dallas did. Really? Mm-hmm. They were quick to hire.
1: Well, yeah, okay. they, we're running everybody through. <laughs> we're glad to have you. It's been, I'm, the city doesn't deserve I'm thankful. you, but we're glad you came here. Did you have any ties to Dallas before you?
0: No, I came here with that same Honda with almost 300,000 miles and a couch that was held up by a phone book. That's
1: nice. Yeah, that, what kind of package is that? Extra package? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so nice. Okay, no, I like that. That's, uh... I don't think they give those packages more than <laughs> the Hondas.
2: <laughs> hey, I wanted to <clears throat> point something out too, just going back to her accomplishments and prior to EPD, I didn't know all this about you, Misty. I wish I did. I should have as a friend, but I apologize. But I know you don't talk much about yourself, So, but you're the only three-sport all-starter to come out of Mustang, Oklahoma. There's a basketball, softball, and soccer.
0: Yeah, that's, that's correct. Awesome. Um
2: Received a full scholarship at the University of Oklahoma to play basketball. That is awesome. I mean, it's incredible. I I, I was
0: very fortunate. Um, Mustang really catered to girl athletes. And um, it was just like the perfect fit for me. And I I mean, it was great coaching, uh, great leadership. So it was a great spot for me to grow up.
2: Yeah, because you were admitted into their Athletic Hall of Fame in 2019, right?
0: Yes. Um,
2: Did you fly up there? there,
0: (laughs) No, I, 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 I drove up there. Did you have the Honda? No, that Honda's gone. Okay. Yeah, thanks. I drove up there and was part of that. That was the um, the first Hall of Fame banquet they had, and um, I had to give a speech. It was it was it was a, a neat opportunity because I got to see some of my old coaches and 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 kind of thank them for their effort that you don't realize until you become an adult.
2: I think that uh, <clears throat> some of this right here, uh, not some of it, all of it, it just shows the uh, type of character you were prior to going to college, prior to all this, um, and it just shows it is shown in your professional career. I can tell you that from what I've known of you from southeast till now, from 2001 till now, I've known you, and and uh, yeah, I mean it just it just shines through. I mean it's very obvious that uh, you're not a quitter, that you keep drive, you you haven't. A huge drive, a determination that a lot of people probably don't possess past a certain time. I mean, you've got your, your Golden Gloves boxing champ. Um, <laughs> you also received your uh, received your graduate, right, or your what was that your master's degree in justice administration leadership from the University of Texas at Dallas? I mean, you just don't stop; you just keep on going.
0: Well, we can go to the boxing. Um, I put myself in that to because I knew it would make me super uncomfortable. There's nothing more terrifying than getting in a ring, and um, I did that to prepare for SWAT, to, the tryouts, and it did get me in some great shape. I mean, it's one of the hardest things I've done because I had to spar against guys, and they're so much faster and so frustrating, So, but that mentally and physically prepared me to try out for SWAT more than probably anything. The master's degree... I was on the mayor detail, and I was, had, I was up at City Hall a lot, so I decided I needed to do something useful with my time. It was actually a really good thing because I learned a lot about policing that I should have already knew. And so it, it was a, it was a, a good um, goal or objective. Um, I enjoyed it, actually.
2: That's supposed to be a good program, too. Right, I mean, it's sought after for quite a few yeah, people. Yeah, it, I mean, it was
0: a great program. I
2: know they push it in the Cruz Police Institute or they have somebody come in and talk and so on and so forth about it when I went through the sergeant school out there. so Going back to the Golden Gloves, I mean, you, I watched you box.
1: And
0: I was not a very good boxer. I was a good fighter, well, you, well, you, you're, you're, you're <laughs> but I was not roller. a good boxer. You
1: whipped the hell out of her. No, it was impressive. Our, we had, a, we had a, a really good time, had a lot of drinks and watched you, and it was fun. <laughs> uh, but I dare there is value in defeat, though, in learning from it, and there's value in in, in working hard and in, in, in failure, in in fighting through it. Because some people they just they're scared to fail at something, so they don't try it. You didn't fail at it, but you didn't know what you didn't know what you were going to do with it, and you just you pushed through and you took it on. It's like you've done everything in your career, but
0: ooh, the dieting. The dieting was hard, and the sparring with men, which made me better. That was very Force. humiliating. Um, it makes you realize how much faster men are. And um, I was 8-0. Uh, the, the the girl that I beat in the finals in uh, Golden Gloves was ranked number two in the nation. Wow. And I would have kept going with it, um, but right at the end of – right after Golden Gloves is when I got summer. and my little sister. And so I decided that I was spending all this time for this personal hobby when yeah. I should be parenting. And so I just stopped doing it.
1: We're going to get into that parenting okay. in, in, in summer because <laughs> it's, it's just an incredible story. I, there's so much impressive about you professionally, but like I said earlier, personally, you're even more impressive. Um, I'm going to take you back to your, your Southeast days. That's where you started Southeast Patrol, right? That's when you and I met
0: Man, I couldn't wait to get to work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we had we had a lot of fun, and you and I we we kind of hit it off the bat right off. Uh, I don't even know how that happened. We worked out uh, quite a bit t- together at the Southeast Gym and that Raggedy Gym. it looks the same. Um,
0: it was good well, times.
1: That was a great time. It's got new paint on the walls. New, yeah, that's it. And they got maybe they have an inspirational quote, some bumper sticker quote they put up. Well, what hey. about
0: that couch?
1: No, nah, we got rid of that couch. <laughs> <laughs>
0: In the break room.
1: Yeah, I mean, it disintegrated. The (laughs) filth filth falling fell off and then the couch (laughs) fell apart. Okay. So, what was your, being at Southeast, what was your favorite part of working at Southeast and what unit? You were on a unit there, but I want you to talk about it.
0: My favorite part of working Mm at Southeast? Mm -hmm. Well, it's all inclusive, but, and some people are going to judge me for this, but chasing dope.
1: Yeah?
0: Nothing compared to it. I know
1: nothing
0: about it. Yeah, but. I bet you don't. Um, <laughs> it, you had a group of guys, somewhere in the 3080s, some were not in the 3080s, but they all worked together, and they were legends. You know, you have um, you have McDonald and Bricker and Rudloff and Mata and Elliot and you and Pat Starr and all these guys that, Jaime, that um, I learned from and that uh, trusted me. Mm-hmm. And it's just the excitement of it. And then the educational part, learning to write a really good report.
1: Yeah, documentation and doing that type of work is paramount. These guys, I mean,
0: those guys are you. They were so good. Yeah. And so I just wanted to be a part of that group. And well, so that's my favorite part. If, if they if they walked in this room right now and said, hey, let's go to Southeast and make a dope arrest, I would get up and go. <laughs> that's how much I loved it. So.
1: Um, <laughs> no, I know. I, I know exactly how you... You feel like I did it for, I did it too long and, and yeah. it had burnout, but I loved it too. That was, that was my favorite thing to do at, at Southeast. And even when I went to South Central uh, there at the end, um,
0: so I will say that it prepared me for SWAT. Um, we were making three, at least three felony arrests and I, I know that's not possible now, but that is a lot of decision-making on the fly, a lot of fast moving parts and those things came into play when I went to SWAT. I realized when I went to SWAT, some of the things we did were, were unsafe. Mm-hmm. But mm, I was able to react under pressure and and make decisions that were very fast. And I I, I really do think it had a lot to do with how much work we did at Southeast.
1: Yeah, when you're doing that type of job, it's a very high-speed job, and you have to th- instantaneously get make a decision you cannot not make a decision you have to weigh legality risk and 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 policy all that has to go through your rolodex in your brain and you have to act immediately uh if not somebody could get hurt or the bad guy could get away and uh you know and we don't like bad guys get away
0: man those skills are perishable to you
1: yeah and they (laughs) all no, they totally are you got you I i really believe that you have to as an officer exercise your brain like you would a muscle I think some officers, they start off with more of a work ethic, and they like to get into uh, high risk situations and put them and push the limits of their stress threshold. And they do it daily. And if they don't do it, I believe that they get they get complacent. And it's like any muscle that you work. Your mind is a muscle, and if you don't work it, and you got some officers that there are some officers that are better or harder workers than other officers. Some officers show up. They go through the shift, they read a paper, and they don't get into high risk. They don't put themselves into high risk situations where they need to make physical decisions as well as mental decisions. And I think that some of those officers, when they drive up on a shooting or some critical incident, they may react differently than somebody that routinely puts themselves in a a pressure situation.
2: Sure. I think... I think she hit it on the head, too, is that, <clears throat> you know, uh, very similar to her was me at Southeast where I really wanted to envelop myself in as much as I possibly could, and I was willing to take the time and learn and have the humility to actually listen to because there was, a, you know, there was a lot of good officers at Southeast. I still remember Third Watch was packed. If, if these younger officers could see a detailed room like Third Watch or these other rooms right now, they'd, they wouldn't know what to do. There's There are there more people on Third Watch than some of these stations have on a complete date shift but I think you hit it on the head when you said, Yeah, you 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 wanted to learn from these people because Southeast is really a, a good breeding ground for some real good officers. So are a bunch of other stations, uh not to just cut them out but ours for sure. And I I agree with you that and I agree on the part of Joe's saying I said this at a retirement for Tommy Carroll. I made the comment that, you know, there's a lot of people that, that put the uniform on, but there's there's only a handful that wear this thing. And uh You know, that's not to demean, to lower, anything like that. It just says that, you know, a lot of people come here, and I think a lot of people, they just don't want to really get involved in much because it entails a lot of learning. Because, like, when you guys were doing all that in the 3080s and all that, that's, that's a lot of learning. That's a lot of different operational standards that now, being in SWAT as we were, we can look back and see, like, think of all the crap, all the shit that was involved in those things, and you guys were doing that without the grandiose, you know, we're gonna have the briefing, right? Right. This, you know, this it was on brief. the fly a lot. Yeah, and it's great. It's just a breeding ground for just good officers and it's good people. You know, regardless of what people like to do, a lot of all, I, I, those are my best times. I, I would go back there any any time. Behind so the scenes,
0: fun. you can tell when someone tries out for sweat, You can t- their reaction and their decision making, like in a shoot house or in houses um, when they're actually trying to make the team. You can tell who has done some pretty extensive police work and who hasn't it shows in how they react and how they make decisions. And I feel like those things are very important. Is
1: there a specific incident or life experience that, that kind of, I know, I know you weren't really into the, into the teaching at that point in your life, but was there a specific incident or life experience that made you want to become a cop?
0: Um, Both of my parents are convicted felons, and both were uh, pretty, they were both addicts. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that I didn't want to go to jail, and I knew I didn't want to do drugs. And so, and I've seen some things growing up, so I was just kind of drawn to it. I took a personality test in college, and, and that was what popped up for me too. But actually I got lucky, because... Once I got hired, I didn't know what I was actually hiring into. Everybody says, "Oh, I want to help people. you don't really know when you hire on." And then when I got out to Southeast, I realized this is a very physical job. so I got lucky in that aspect because I was born gifted with athletic ability, and I could jump then I could jump over a fence, I could jump out of a car pretty much fearless because you're young. and so things matched up for me. It was a way to not be my parents and also a way to help people, but in, it also highlighted my physical abilities, which gave me confidence.
1: Well, you excelled at it. I mean, it, clearly. Mm. <laughs> I want to take you back to a <clears throat> one incident that happened in Southeast. A lot of people probably don't know or long forgotten. Uh, there are a few dope houses in, in Southeast Division. and One <laughs> of them, just a few. Just a few. Jokes. Yeah. <laughs> one of them is, was a drug house on Echo, it was a PCP house. and I don't think at the time you said that it, you, we actually knew it was a PCP house.
0: Yeah, right. it was kind of embedded in, in like kind of a cultist de type, yep. and it was heavily treed, and, and so it was kind of hidden, and this place was so busy, and we thought it was a weed house.
1: Because it was so busy.
0: Yeah, and, we, and we, hadn't, we hadn't investigated this house before, so we're kind of yeah, checking like it that. out, and it, and it was buyer after buyer, and so that was extremely exciting.
1: Talking talk about the incident.
0: Okay. So me and my partner, Nick Gatande, he's no longer a DPD. We were, we were in the same class. We were sneaking up on the house.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And we saw a buyer go in, um, teenage guy. And when he came out, he sees us. And he drops what I thought was weed, but it was also vials of PCP and runs. So Nick stayed with the house because the rest of our group was around. Mm-hmm. And off I went after this guy. And it's
1: pitch dark out there. So, yeah, South it's, it's, it's There's really. There's no free lives at work. It's hard to see. Yeah,
0: it was. And so, we came upon the first chain link fence, and he jumped it, and he fell. I got lucky. And so, I jumped it, and the wrestling match was on. And he's wiry. And at the time, I didn't realize it, but he got a hold of my, my holster and my gun. And I had that crappy holster that they issued us in the academy that just had the little snap. And he got my, my gun out of the holster. I didn't know it, and it, it, it was left there at um, the chain link fence. He got away from me, and so we went over two more fences. So now we're in, in some backyard. I don't know. I couldn't tell you the address because it was a different street. Um, and just he would after every fence, he would fall, and we would, we would wrestle, and I couldn't get, quite get a hold of him. And then at one point, he stopped, and um, the fight was on. And he kept reaching for my holster, and I realized my holster was empty. And so I had my flashlight. It was the, the metal flashlight, and I had to pretty much save my life with my metal flashlight. This, if you've never dealt with a guy on PCP, you can't hurt him. And I, I played college softball, and I was a four-hole hitter. I was a home run hitter, and I was swinging that flashlight as hard as I could. And it would knock him down. And his blood was splattering all over me, but it didn't phase him. He would just get up and go straight for my holster again. And so, I mean, this went on. It feels like forever. I, I, it's, it's timeless, so I couldn't tell you exactly how long, but I was exhausted. And this is the point where I was, I would get up in the morning and go do bag work with my boxing coach. I would drive to the station hours early and run four miles on the treadmill, lift weights, and then work my shift. So I was in good shape. I was in boxing shape, and I was exhausted. And... um. I finally got him pinned up against the side of a house, and Bricker found me. And I was just, oh, my God, I was so relieved to see his face because, I I mean, I didn't know how much longer I could hang on with this guy.
1: I I talked to Bricker before um, we came in today, and he said when he rounded the corner and saw you holding on to the guy, you were doing a deep, almost hyperventilating breathing because you were so spent. And he couldn't believe how deep breath – like. Oh yeah. The rest you were taking trying to hang on to that guy. Covered I, in blood.
0: Yeah, uh, when I got him to the jail and I took off my vest, my whole t-shirt underneath was covered in that suspect's blood from the injuries he received from my flashlight. Um I tried to when I was sent out to when I went out to the academy to as a be a coordinator for recruits, I would tell them that story, are you in that kind of shape because it's not for appearance. It's to save your own life.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. To prepare and so you're not injured. When I went back to the scene after this happened and I was preparing for court, I didn't realize all of the fences that we went over together. I didn't realize the dog that was in the backyard. There's a total tunnel vision. Yeah. But I do specifically remember this swing is gonna knock this guy out. And I would swing it as hard as I could swing it and I mean, all out 100% effort over and over again, and he would get back up. It was amazing. And then getting back in the saddle, going back to work and being like, oh, please, this guy, please don't run, because you just have to kind of get back in the saddle, and you don't want to be in that position again.
1: It's like recovering from an injury in some way, because I've, I've had multiple injuries and I came back from a knee injury, and I was, oh, my God, please don't run. Yes. It's the same way you don't <laughs> want to go back through the mental stress, the possibility of that happen again. Is, is that how? In,
0: in the moment, you don't realize. Of course. And then, yeah. Your instincts. And then okay. when you go back through it, you're like, wow, I'm very fortunate. I'm very lucky. Well,
3: how, how lucky do you think are you that he, your gun fell out when it did what do you, you know, I mean, obviously, worst case scenario, you probably would have used it or he might have used it since he was still going for it, especially if you were that tired. You know, you yeah, somebody it, was you watching know how out. Fortunate you were that it fell out then because that would have been a totally different Absolutely.
0: Scenario. Absolutely. Somebody was watching out over me.
2: That probably reminds all of us of a situation you're involved in that's not just necessarily similar, but just something where you look back and you're just like, oh, my God, how did I come out of that, right? I mean, no fault to you. I mean, you... Survived. I mean, yeah, you fucking survived, and that's what you're taught to do is survive. And you know, Bricker, I, <laughs> I was I so thankful fun. to see him. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> so, I, so I can, I guess, we'll roll into your your SWAT career. You know, the, the parts of your SWAT career, uh, I was fortunate to work with you over there for many years. Um, you were always one of the people that was an inspiration to look up to. You Thank were a you. person that that. Uh, You were there to get the job done. You didn't take anything personal. Um, Had a lot of good laughs. Had a lot of good time. (laughs) But when it came, there's a work face and there's a fun face. And the work face would always turn on, and you always knew just by looking at everybody there on the team, especially you were were in a different unit than I, but still as we shrunk, we became to integrate and uh, come together. But, you know, you were always one that somebody would lean on. If they wanted a job done, they, they just asked Misty. And then they knew it'd get done, right? And you were always wanting. And I know people over there. They're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to carry the pry, or I, I don't want the gas gun. Sure. I don't want to do that. But you and I are very similar in nature. We're just like, well, at the gas gun, the slammer, the pry, the <laughs> explosives, the shotgun. Yeah. You know, just give me whatever. But the job got done for that. Um, can you kind of walk us through that? Because it's, I know, I know at the time the TV show was going on and so on and so forth. So despite. Uh, Aside from that, just, uh, you know, it's not very common for a female to be on a SWAT team and to have somebody like you roll through there and just uh, just kill it. I mean, you were, you were an awesome operator. You were somebody that was so dependable. I never would have thought ever that, no, I can't ask Misty because she's a girl. And I wouldn't think that of a woman anyway. But just in general, uh, you I mean, you were better than some of the... Some, mm-hmm many of the guys over there and you'd outperform them physically too. And you talk about that, that strength to survive. Um, and, and you had that, you were always working your ass off doing weights or running or yoga or whatever it may be. And, uh, and you just never quit, even though I know, you know, you're much like me with the knees and everything else like that. It just didn't matter. We just fought through the pain and went, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's very impressive. Uh, your, just your career in general, but this piece I know, intimately because I was a part of a lot of this stuff so can you talk to us a little bit about that
0: sure I, I went over there in 03 um, there was rumors that some of the guys that the, on the the specific team that I went to didn't want a girl and I understand why and so I went over there with the mindset that I'm gonna find a way to, to be successful and it, I just wanted to be a part of I grew up being a part of team sports and I love team environments and this is the ultimate team environment. I mean, you eat together, you work out together and you have to trust each other in the roles that, you know, you, you could risk your life or your partner or your teammate. And, and so my ultimate goal was not to wear the gear, not to take pictures with the rifle or, um, my ultimate goal was to be trusted Mm -hmm. and, that took a long time. It, mm, it was very humbling. Um, when I first went over there, I would compare myself to the men and that's just not realistic because I don't have men's chest, hearts, lungs, testosterone. And so once I stopped comparing myself to men and just compared myself to myself and, and worked on small improvements and I'm not talking just physically, I'm talking mentally with shooting skills, making decisions and, that's when my career really went on. When it got, I got where I got confident. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's some guys over there that trusted me and put me in positions where you know they trust you. Because mm-hmm. I've seen other people come through and they won't put them in positions. So that is the ultimate compliment. And the majority of men over there, if I went to them and said, teach me how to do this. The majority of them, no ego, would sit down and teach me and if you 're willing to listen and be humble enough to to say, "Okay, these guys know what they're talking about," and they would sit and they would teach me anything I wanted to know it was incredible it's an incredible experience i'm proud of the ten years I don't want to be back on that call callback schedule again oh. <laughs> but um
2: I still have nightmares of a pager going on. <laughs> Yeah. I,
0: I, the, well, I went over there when it was still TAC. So I have I had the, the rocker. Tactical Rocker, which was That's cool. Awesome. And um, I went over there the same week they changed from MP5s to rifles. Oh, wow. So my first week was rifle school in July. Fantastic. <laughs> but um, I'm proud of it. I have injuries from it. But I would do it all over again. And the only thing I would do different is those first couple of years, I wouldn't overdo things so much. To prove that I could do it, I would have taken it a little bit slower Mm -hmm. and taken care of my body a little bit better.
2: Yeah, I think that's the key. Yeah,
0: and that's why I tell guys, I'm like, take care of your body so you can stay because once you leave there, nothing's going to compare to that. I loved the work. I loved hostage rescues. I loved explosive breaching. But more than anything, I loved being a part of a, a team.
2: Yeah, I think that was the best part about it, too, because I remember when I left there to promote and then went back as a sergeant, leaving there again. I left for my, my family, my kids, but uh, the hardest thing was walking away from those guys, and it still is. You know, I go over there. It's just like you probably go over there. If you hit them during a the detail or something, man, it is, it is a different environment. It's a different animal just joking around with those people and seeing oh, yeah. because a lot of them are still there, and it's just it's good to see the new faces, and it just kind of reminds me. You know, coming over there, and uh, but I think you hit it on the head, especially with your body. You know, that's one thing as police officers we don't do is take care of ourselves very well. We're very in tune to patching shit up and getting out and going. Especially over there, there's no time to be hurt. If you enjoy doing what you're doing and you feel like you're needed and it's necessary for you to be there to help complete whatever operation it may be, you you forget about that knee. You forget about the rolled ankle. You you forget about the broken foot. You forget about yeah. the torn tendons. You forget about all these things. You patch yourself up and go. There's time to rest later, but the problem is, there is no later because there's always another operation. Oh. You just keep going and going and going. When you leave there, you leave with, you leave there with a, a, a just a head full of experiences, uh, a sense of uh, pride and accomplishment, and uh, good friends. And then you leave there with every fucking injury, yeah. as you can imagine, right? Those so, guys are my family. Yeah,
0: I, I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have been picked to go to SWAT without Scott McDonald's help. We tried out together. And um, I actually went a year before he went, and yeah. I feel like he should have went before me. He's second generation, and he's tactically, I mean, he, he can shoot, he's, he's tactically gifted. And, and he never even had a problem with that, mm-hmm. which is a true friend.
2: So that, that I think, goes back to the beginning, and I know you don't want to pat yourself on the back, but you've achieved a lot, and uh, that's that's a true testament to you, your character, your drive, your desire. It's a testament to you, right? And you credit everybody that's helped you along the way, and absolutely, but it takes you to be in these positions, to do these things, to want all this stuff, you know, to fulfill that. And Misty, that's awesome. I mean,
0: people don't realize how dirty that job is. You're sweaty from May to October, (laughs) you're crawling in crawl spaces and attics, and man, I just, I loved it. Yeah. It's, um, it's a a very unique job. It's the closest thing that I can get to playing a pro sport or being in the military with a group of special forces guys. Mm-hmm. And I read every book, every Navy SEAL book I could read, to understand the mindset of men that because Navy SEALs are known to not want women in their in their um, their teams. And I understand, but I would read every book to understand their mindset, and then I would focus my actions. So I didn't fit that mold. I wanted Mm -hmm. to be something different, and I didn't want it to be because I had tits or because I was a special or special treatment. I wanted to be accepted as one of them, and I feel like I achieved that.
2: Uh, uh, Again, it's it's a testament to you. I mean, uh, from your family life to your career or your schooling, obviously, I mean, you've you've, you've been accomplished through school. your career, I mean, you've been to the academy. I've, I've heard people talk about Misty at the academy. I know you are only there for about a year, but um, there was a few people that have come out of there that have talked to me, wanted to know if I knew you because of SWAT. And I said, yeah, I do. And they said, well, she was she was out there when I was there, and, man, she's she's awesome. Um, I think the good thing about you is you say you've compared yourself to men, but I think you've compared yourself to yourself to see where you stand. And, and uh, maybe that, that piece over here is here, but really you've really gone way over The, uh, I think the uh, threshold of what most people would, and I think it's an inspiration to other females. I mean, obviously you're not the only fantastic female we have on the police department or throughout law enforcement in the nation, but
0: Uh, there's always somebody out there that.
2: Yeah, but I mean, it's it's bigger,
0: faster, stronger, and I hope. Is
2: there anything like a critical incident in SWAT that that you want to touch on or something you want to talk about? I know you were involved in quite a few of things while.
0: Well, June of 2007, we had an incident on Martell, a hostage rescue, where I actually did the explosive. And um, it was hasty, and so we made the decision. We didn't know where the hostage was, and it was a little infant child. And um, when I blew the door, we, I put, you have to understand with policing, you put just enough explosive where other people aren't going to get injured or you're not going to injure the hostage, which is different than military. Right. And I put just enough to blow the door to get the team in fast. Well, the guy had barricaded with a couch. And so when that explosive went off, and the team w- was delayed maybe two seconds that gave that suspect time to go and and kill that infant child and so I consider that a failure because we had that infant child in our hands, and it's our job to for the hostage rescue and so that will always and the team that I was with and will always resonate as something that will should drive you to you you'll never achieve perfection but You better drive for it, because you have very little time to um, to operate or to to make decisions, or and your your training and your drive for perfection better be right on, because you don't. I can't take that back.
2: Right, and I know you're a person that strives for success, and all I would say to you on that is you can't you can't hold that on on you. I know where we were with our breaching program at the time. Sure. And breaching and law enforcement has been going on for quite some time, but it's always been very simplistic. Items, right? The science of it, uh, right? Right when you left, and by the time I left, it's just the cusp of it has just dramatically increased, right? And we both know when you barricade a door with something, pee for plenty is all that's going to happen on that door in order just to move that barricade. But sure. I mean, we weren't. You're not trained for that, right? So you didn't. We have no clue. You have no clue what's behind that fucking door when you slam it. Sure. Uh, those explosives were created to give us an advantage, uh, get people off a doorway, to prevent us from being injured, and, 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 and facilitate very quick entry. People probably don't know what a hasty plan is or a deliberate plan, but there's there's deliberate and hasty. Hasty is something that's put together very quickly. It's thought of. It's not a non thought process, and deliberate is something that's been planned for quite some time, i.e. A, a, a warrant or something on a BP where we have nothing but time. But these things, they, they, they. They grow. It's, it's just like a living animal, you know, as you're sitting out there. And people always ask about that, and I'm sure you would agree, but, you know, this, this, the SWAT officer, the pinnacle of a SWAT officer's career is to train for a hostage rescue, right? And uh,
0: It tests every team member's skill set.
2: It does, and uh, that's why it's imperative not to say the hazardous warrants and the barricaded persons are not important, and they're not training platforms, but they kind of are to a sense, you know, even though we have lives on a line at times, or there's a life on the line, you know, that we take uh, consideration in, obviously. Uh, But that hostage rescue, you know, our easy, deliberate events can turn into a hostage rescue in no time flat, and that's why we plan for it, you know. Um, It's unfortunate when we lose somebody, uh, but, you know, we, I know we as a team have always done whatever we could possible to prevent that type of situation. We just, we're just not the caretakers of life, right? I mean, we can't determine who's, who stays and who doesn't, but we worked our damnedest, and you're right, and that's something we, you better strive for success, because when you're tested, I always thought of that. People always laugh at me, because I was at the range all the time, or doing something. I was like, well, when I'm given a test, especially on something like that, I want to know that I'm going to fucking succeed, so that I don't feel like I did not. And so, sure, I mean, you guys, you've worked with explosives for quite some time, then, and we? We trained on those things, you know? It's just, it's evolved. It's a totally different animal now, and you know we we don't know those things but
1: anyway <clears throat> for DPD SWAT history do you know how many women have worked on SWAT
0: um i don't know the exact number there was many before me okay. um i was the first female to have the same standards as the men okay all the women before me had female standards as far as physically and um but that don't that doesn't take anything away from them
1: it's just different yeah it just it's different, different yeah
0: and and I've worked for Chief Neal. I've worked for Mids Boyle. Mm-hmm. And incredible, incredible people, great leaders, um, professional. Would make a decision. I would do anything for you know either one of them as a leader. So, um, there there were women before me that paved the way. And I'm thankful for that.
1: And you obviously built on that, and then that was my took, goal. Right, and you did that.
0: I wanted to do ten years. And then I wanted to open it up for someone who came behind me. I don't want them to compare this new person to me. I want them to say, well, we had someone that was successful here. Let's give them a shot. But they need to earn it based on their performance and their actions, not based on their gender.
2: Right. And I don't think you've done that.
0: Because that takes it away. I, I didn't want that taken away from me. I don't want them to say, I, I was on an op. And a trooper came up to me and said, and I was in full gear, and he was like, well, what do you do, answer phones?
1: No. <laughs>
0: or, and another one was like, well, Good what kind of PT test do y'all have? Like, I cannot believe that they... And I, there's nothing I can say or do to tell them, hey, I'm a part of this team.
1: You're full of shade, you know what you're talking about. Right,
0: yeah. so I'm like, yeah, sometimes they let me out of the office, but most of the time I answer phones. Okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. you know, I think that's important for listeners and everyone to know because I think sometimes in the police profession... A lot of people think people get a job because of race or sex. Sure. You know, and I think that's what you did working in the 3080s with Joe and those guys and working on these small units, being able to earn trust of guys. I know these guys, there's a lot of guys that would rather have you with them than probably 80, 90% of the men on the department. So I think, you know, you don't sell yourself short, and I'm sure you know this and you've earned it and worked hard, and I think that's your reputation,
0: uh, it's such a compliment speaks to be volumes, trusted
3: speaks volumes and I think for you to and I'm glad you I, I'm not that you would ever doubt or not understand it, but I think that's great that you have realized it and gotten to work in these these situations so
1: Misty, one of the most impressive things about you uh, personally, uh, we, we've listened to your incredible professional career and your accomplishments but one thing that's most impressive, for me personally, is uh, you mentioned before you got custody of your uh, your sister, Summer. Yeah. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, it was um, it was Mother's Day, I think two thousand one, two thousand two, and I couldn't get a hold of my mother in Oklahoma City, and it was just I had a weird feeling, so I drove up to Oklahoma City, and I found my little sister who was five um, in a filthy apartment, and she had been left for over a week. I think my mom was um, off doing drugs, and so I took her. Um, I immediately called my supervisor and said, my mother is going to come back and try to file kidnapping charges on me, and she did. But I took Summer, um, so I was an instant parent. I have this chihuahua in my truck and this kid that is filthy, starving, with matted hair that has been neglected. And so I'm like, hmm. Now, she didn't come with a manual. I couldn't look up how to do things. <laughs> no. And so you you, you you learn on the fly. And she was behind. So I would say her social skills were behind, and she was behind in school, and she wasn't ready to go to school. And, and we just, Roxanne and I just slowly took our time with her. And, you know, Rox slowly taught, taught her to read. And, and just, it, it, it took a while, but... And, you know, she turned out great. Um, she, I didn't know this, but she had hearing loss when I got her. And so in first grade, before she failed a hearing test, and I'm like... What's problem? I didn't know, and I, you know, and I was I a was hard-ass on her. I thought she was ignoring, and, and I was trying to teach her some discipline, and so we went and got the hearing aids, and... Um.
1: As, as a new parent... Did it make you change the way you approached profession over time, what you were willing to do, what decisions you were willing to make and risk, more risk, take more risk?
0: Luckily, I was out of the 3080s and in a deployment position, and I had been picked to go to TAC or SWAT. And so um, I was starting to realize I was taking a lot of risk anyway. Right. Uh, And then when I got hurt, like I said, I I gave up boxing. and, um, And then I started to really emulate some of the guys that I worked around I worked around some great dads, mm-hmm. and I started to watch the things that they did as fathers, and I tried to do some of those things because I didn't grow up with a, a really great father figure either. And so I wanted to be a good parent, but I had to watch. So those are the things that I did. I would I would watch the guys that I really respected, that I worked with, and how they, how they handled things, the decisions that they made, and I tried to do some of those same things.
1: And all of us as parents are... are filling it out as we go anyway, there's no, like you said, there's no instruction manual
0: for a child,
1: you know, and, um, yeah, it's a,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I coached little league, she hated sports, which, you know, um, she ended up being in the band, um, in the drum line at, at Flower Mound, but she, she, she was a great kid.
1: She's beautiful, young lady, now you, now you're a a grandparent in some way. I am...
0: Technically an aunt, <laughs> but she has two kids. One, uh, Easton is one, and Colt is four. And I mean, she's a great mother. My goodness, and she's patient. And I'm like, where did you get this? Because like I said, mm-hmm. she, I sat, being in SWAT and sixth grade through senior year, Rox and I lived apart because Roxanne wanted to be a head coach, and I said, go for it. And so we made that sacrifice. And so I was doing SWAT call-outs, extra jobs, and parenting by myself, and I don't know that I could do that again.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> I know, when when I found out, <clears throat> I didn't know that right away, but when I found out that you were, you were raising your little sister, and you told me that story, uh, quite a while, I mean, it's been years, but, uh, I think that's awesome, Misty, and I, I mean, um, I know you don't like talking about yourself, and I've said that, and just aside from this career, like Joe said, I think that's a... Uh, man, it really just shows the type of person you are and the type of heart you have. Um, and, and that determination and drive that you've developed over these years uh, emulates through her. I mean, she's graduated from college, she has kids, she's married, and you say she's a good parent.
0: She is a great parent. I mean, better than I ever could have been. And,
2: it's and pretty I'm impressive. kind of learning that right now, that, you know... When, that as a parent, you're a little bit tougher on yourself and wonder, you know, and then when your kids do something good, you're like, where did they see? Where yeah. did they see this? But really, honestly, where did she see that? You know, she had you and Rox there, and I know Rox has gone for quite some time doing the coaching and whatnot. I don't know, I don't know how you balance this.
0: I don't either. I really don't. <laughs> but, um, but you did. I think it's, I think I sacrificed her quite a bit too. I mean, I had to put the dinner in the crock pot so it'd be ready when I got home, and the during the fair, oh, juggling yeah, that schedule, yeah. and so, Summer was a great kid, and and I put a lot of responsibility on her, and, and she handled it, and she never got any trouble. But oh. I, but I, she was, you know, she had to do a lot of things by herself, and that's just how it had to be.
1: Well, I think maybe she turned out more as being a great kid, and now she's a great parent because you're a great mother.
0: Well, I, I don't know about that. I tried. I, I, I will tell you. Parenting was the most stressful thing I've done and the hardest thing I've done, and I've tried the hardest at it.
1: <laughs> well, there's nothing you've done that hasn't been
2: hard and stressful. So you, <laughs> you know. I would like to know a couple things. Uh, I think that when you talked about uh, the individuals of SWAT that came before you and you wanted to kind of honor that, and uh, but you, you also paved the road for others, right? I they're, hope so. You can hope, but the, the it, it, we could call it an assumption, but I would call it a truth and a fact that other Women have watched you come through there along with other women, uh, and they want to do that too. And otherwise, their fear factor of trying to do something like that would be greater, right? Um, but seeing your success and seeing you know, the type of person you are is something that drives others to be that way. But what, what drives you? if you were to give advice to somebody, if you were to tell somebody, someone else out there, because there's going to be a lot of people listening, and whether they're first responders or not, somebody out there is going to hear this. It could be a young lady who's in college right now that happens to stumble across the podcast and hears this and is like, holy cow, I want to do that, but I never thought I could. You know, But what, how do I do it? Or the, or the single parent that's out there struggling just to make it, right? I mean, you took, most people have a child and they raise them. You took your child from a deplorable condition, and brought them home and just started like that. You know, at a certain age, pl- played catch-up and moved on. She's successful. You're successful at the same time. It, it, and being a police officer in general, regardless of where we're at, whatever special task we're on, is, is a hard job anyway. We carry on a lot of shit and there's stuff you've got to push aside real quick so that you can take care of your family. But there's got to be something that drives you.
0: What drives me? Um, I've always been driven. I've always been very intense. Um, and I've always been very self-critical. So if I'm giving somebody advice, I, like I said in the bio, I I try very hard to follow the four agreements. Um, and and it, impeccable to be impeccable with your word is the first one. And I'm not saying, I do what I, I'm going to say I'm going to do, all, mostly all the time. I'm talking about what you say to yourself. I've been very negative with myself. And so your body listens. And so if I'm giving advice to someone, don't... Don't beat yourself up because I did that through SWAT, and those are some things that I would change. Um, the other thing is don't don't take anything personal. That's really hard, um, especially if you if you make a mistake or if you are, get your your ass beat at as something in a competition. Everything in SWAT was graded, and then it got posted the next day, uh. and and I was driven. I'm like, I don't want to be in that bottom quarter. I've watched GI Jane. I don't want to be in that bottom quarter percent, and so that 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 was very. <laughs> Um, that, that drove me. (laughs) Um, the other one is don't make assumptions. I, and I, and these things are really hard for me and that's why I'm saying I'm trying to practice what I preach, but don't assume everything is about you or that, or assume that you never know what someone is going through and why they're acting like, like they are. And the last one is do your best. And I think that I have tried my best at pretty much every position that I've been in in this department and all I want to do is be accepted and succeed and that's what drives me. It drove me through sports and through all these positions.
2: And then looking at it from the female perspective, I mean law enforcement in general, you know we're not back in the 60s and 70s or 80s, I mean, but I mean it's, this profession has come a long ways for females and there's a lot of uh, super female officers um, and The problem with the perspective of the female is when the female usually gets something, the first assumption is, oh, she's banging somebody. Or, oh, they got it because of X, Y, and Z. Kind of like what Randy was talking about. But from a female perspective, how has this job shaped you? Because just like I said, someone else is going to listen to this. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm sure there's... There is a struggle that goes on and sure. uh, it was recently pointed out to me or given perspective by a female about jobs and why why accomplishments and why uh, this person accomplished something and and I told her, I said, why, why would you be so surprised? You're good at everything you do and I said, well, because it's an honor for me to accomplish this one achievement because my whole life and my careers I've been told, well, I got this because I was banging so-and-so or she got it because she's got you know breast or she's got you know just this different things and it's like god dang you know i thought about that but i never thought of it from that perspective and uh you're going to
0: hear those things yeah and you you can't control what people are going to say so my advice would be keep your mouth shut and prove it through your actions and that's what i've done and it's hard because i've had people oh she got lucky and the guy next to me has a good day and they're like the best thing ever, you know, and I got lucky. And so the next day I got to show up and do it again. Oh, I got lucky that day too. Show up and do it again. And eventually I was part of the team and I, I was successful. So people are going to talk and all I can say is prepare, prepare, prepare. While people are talking behind the scenes, prepare. And I'm not talking, I'm saying physically, weapons, weapons mentally it's the biggest aspect is mentally and i had to work the most at that and spiritually and i'm not talking religion i'm talking um enlightenment Mm -hmm. and 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 you have to put all those things together breathing your nutrition and once you put all of those things together and focus on you on what you can control who cares what anybody else says Mm -hmm. i'm sure people in this department have some negative things to say about me. I can't control that, but I, I can find you a lot of people that will have some positive things too.
1: Yeah, there's a lot more than negative. And, and trust me, when I, I was telling people that you were going to be on today, I can't tell you how many officers, male and and female, that were reaching out saying, hey, ask for this. Hey, I'm, I want to hear about this story about her. And there's a lot of people that don't even know that um, you got custody of your, your sister. And there's just a lot of parts of your Career pre SWAT that people don't even know about, and you excelled there. Then you went to SWAT and excelled and went even higher. And now the position you're in now is one of the most sought after positions on a department. And you just keep going and keep going.
0: I'm thankful, and like he said, if a female wants to go to SWAT or some position, I'm here to help. I'm not. A, I'm not competing. I'm not saying oh. I'm here to, if you have questions, I'm going to give it to you straight. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think you should do to prepare and be supportive. And I will. It, all you have to do is call me and ask, and I will go out of my way to support and help. What do you want to
3: think that's helped you in your career that, I mean, you mentioned Mitch Boyle and Mona Neal, but anybody else that you think that, and you, I know you mentioned a lot of guys in the 38s, but is there anybody out there that's been specifically a big inspiration for you to be where you're at, where you're at now?
0: Well, I've already said it, but I'm, like I said, Scott McDonald put me in positions that nobody else would in it. I'm so thankful. I
3: might me
0: end it, it like that.
2: Though. Yeah. <laughs> well, we love you, Misty, and we thank you so much for coming on here. It's been a pleasure and an honor to have you on here. and uh, just, You know how I feel about you.
1: I'm excited to hear this. Thanks. I'm excited to hear this and I want everybody else to hear it and, and know the true you let's just wrap this up and okay. put a bow on it A and bow. It, <laughs>
0: long as I don't have to wear it in my hair
1: you <laughs> we already wear it too <laughs> I, right I want to thank you for coming on thank you for being you and I look forward to continue our friendship until
4: we're no longer here
0: okay thank you guys so much
4: Brother, hey sister, I'll never give up on you Hey mrs, hey mister, I'll see this all the way through No matter how far the sun and the moon I'll never give up on you Down when you're lonely i'll pull you up life leaves you heavy when the going gets tough i'll be your shoulder again Say, hey Mister, I'll see this all the way through. No matter how far for the gold and the blue, I'll never give up. Only